Hello and welcome to today's episode of Terrier Talks. This is our third episode. Uh, I am Lena Ross, first year student, curly hair glasses, you might see me somewhere. And I'm here with my co-host, Jalen Blue. Hi, Jalen. Hey guys, how's everything going? I am doing great. Honestly, I'm done with class as of today. I only have one final exam, but I do have a quiz today and I'm not really looking forward to that one bit. Yeah, it's it's tragic. It's going to be a tragic time, but you know, I got this. I got yeah. it in the bag, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. What, what else is going on this week? I went to Comfort Bingo yesterday. Comfort Bingo. I haven't gone to bingo in like two years because of the RA position. I'm always on duty when bingo happens. Oh. So I get really sad. I thought like uh, I thought that like if you won, like people would like try to attack you. Like, oh, yeah. As no, an RA. that happens. That oh, really yeah. happens. Yeah. Bingo is violent. Bingo is like, you know, it takes it brings a out lot the, of courage. It really <laughs> brings out the terrier in oh, us. Oh, yeah. It just, we get really feisty when it comes to bingo, and it's always hilarious to see people dart yeah. up screaming bingo at the top of their lungs yeah. just to get a prize. And I just, l- last night I, I had a Joker moment because I didn't win. So oh. I, there's oh. a picture of me just in despair over not winning. <laughs> I, I get sad too. I remember I won Tide Pods and I got very, very oh, happy. No. <laughs> oh, yay, Tide Pods. <laughs> Hey, I I really needed them. It was it was a very clutch time to have bingo that day. That Tide Pod, yeah, you never know. Yeah. All right, today's podcast. We are looking forward to talking about a few happenings going on. Uh, we are going to talk about a potential campus bar with the director of athletics, Scott Pullman. He is also the head of the committee for the bar. Uh, so we're going to be talking about. That possibly being implemented in Hiram. And then I'm also going to talk about the Women's Rights Are Human Rights exhibit that is right here on campus right now. And we got some other events going on, too. Awesome. Let's talk about that Women's Rights exhibit. How did that go? Did you go to it? Uh, so I have I have seen it. I haven't seen every single piece. I uh, do go to Gelbke for a class. I haven't had the chance to like view every single piece yet, but I am yet to visit it so you know no spoilers here you should you should go and see it for yourself as well mm-hmm. um, we want everyone to go see it uh, but a little bit about it some context um, this art piece it is a collaborative art exhibit featuring posters and artwork from different artists with the shared focus of the essential nature of women's rights so it is just blatantly stated in the name women's rights are human rights and the exhibit began in 2016, following the 2016 election. Uh, that's when uh, the coordinators felt that the because of that political time, uh, the things were stirring in the air, a lot of quotes being thrown around. Um, that's when they thought that it was a time that like they needed it most. Yeah. It, it was an exhibit that could uh, demonstrate the values that they were going for. Yeah, of course. And this exhibit has been shown all around the world uh, in various countries. Um, it's been in the United States, different states, uh, Mexico, Taiwan was just some of the ones that uh, that she brought up. Uh, and including its global uh, traverse, like th- it also includes different global perspectives 
uh, regarding violence and oppression against women that Americans that like we might not be aware of in Hiram, yeah. Ohio, things that we don't face, even if there are like women's oppression, there's women's oppression yeah. that's globally that is discussed. Uh, a big goal of it is awareness and education. So definitely like that global mm-hmm. perspective helps with that. And also since 2016 has been a while ago and things continue to happen. Different events happen every year. Cough, uh, cough, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> all, all kinds of different things every year. Uh, Me Too movement, Women's March, uh, different different votings on different things. Um, it's an ever-evolving piece and has had work added throughout the years. So it'll look different, like, basically every year that it's shown okay. with the different issues that are on, uh, on people's mind. Um, and if the director, the coordinator of the, the art event, art exhibit... Um, the one thing that she wants everyone to take away from it is that uh, we can no longer be complacent in the blatant oppression of women and restriction of women's rights. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in all of those things and a uh, demonstration of those rights and the the essential nature of women's rights being human rights, look at that in the Gelbke Art Studio available until December 16th. <laughs> everybody welcome back to terrier talks i'm your co-host jalen blue with lena ross and we have here the director of athletics scott pullman welcome happy to have you here how are you today i'm wonderful thanks for inviting me all right first let's talk about athletics how are things how are we with sports seasons anything great going on new athletics in the world you know yeah so we just ended our fall season uh soccer both soccers and uh football has one more game this weekend coming up and then volleyball just ended their tournament last weekend. We started uh, winter sports. We've already had a couple wrestling mats for men and women and women's basketball and men's basketball going along with swimming. So okay. we're moving right along. All right. So let's get into this discussion today about a potential campus bar. How were we chosen and selected for the head of the committee? Me? I, it was just an idea that a couple of us were talking about is we've heard a common common complaint amongst students that there's really nothing to do on campus. Um, you know, my background, I'm, I'm retired law enforcement, but I've also been to, I worked at Denison as a softball coach and North Carolina A&T down in North Carolina, obviously. Both of those institutions had camp, uh, bars on campuses. Um, and it was a great gathering place when you look at it. You'd have athletes there, non-athletes there. You'd have faculty, staff. They'd have karaoke night. You'd have faculty bringing in instruments and playing with with students. So it was just in a great environment, and it was a gathering place. And so that's one of the things when a group of us were talking is that that there's no gathering place, true gathering place, for students, faculty, and staff on campus. So we thought years ago, it's my understanding, maybe in the 80s, maybe a little bit later, they had a bar on campus. So we thought we'd explore the, you know, if we could get something back on campus. Okay. So where are some potential locations for the bar on campus? Uh, There's actually a committee that's looking at it. They've looked at a number of different locations. They looked at Miller. Uh, It's my understanding in the day there used to be the dining hall used to be at the basement of Miller. that's correct. So that was an option, and then really it came down to also the Kennedy Center here in the basement. Um, It's my understanding talking with the committee that they're kind of leaning towards uh, the basement here. Um, Past that wall that, that you know, it's like the blackboard over there. There's some uh, kitchen equipment back there, so it's kind of like an obvious choice. Okay. 
So what's some progress we have been made so far during the to do this initiative? Um, like I said, the committees met. They've been meeting for a couple months now. They uh, put out a campus-wide survey. The survey came back. It's my understanding that the first couple of days, a lot of people responded to the, the survey. Um, and it was pretty much overwhelming support. So once they kind of got an idea of what the students were looking for, and it was open to faculty and staff also, what you know the pros were, what the cons were, and then people kind of gave their input as to what type of bar it should be. If we have a bar, should it be beer only, wine only, spiritus liquor, beer, wine, and spiritus liquor, the hours of operations a day. So they took all that into consideration, and now they're just kind of in the process of finalizing plans. Um, I'll be looking at, the, I'll be contacting the Department of Commerce, uh, the Ohio Department of Commerce, and I'll be beginning the application process here shortly. Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so speaking of the student responses to the survey, how were those student responses? What was it like? It, it was, again, overwhelming. I don't have the exact numbers, but it was overwhelming support between faculty, staff, and students uh, supporting it. Uh, you know, kind of varied on what type of atmosphere it should be. Uh, there were, were uh, 20 or so people that, that weren't in favor of having a bar on campus, and it was from more of a liability standpoint. Um, you know, uh, how do, you know, we got the liability of somebody's drinking fights. You also had the issues of what about the students or faculty that don't drink, how they're going to be welcome, uh, what would we do with them on campus, so a lot of issues were raised around that. Um, but, a, again, a overwhelming support for it. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So do we have any sort of timeline based on when this bar will probably happen? Uh, you know, there, there's been talk about trying to get it open next semester, January, February. -ish. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure what the timeline is for the Department of Commerce to get the permits. Um, so there, there's still some work that needs to be done. You know, we're kind of running into now we have Thanksgiving break coming up, then we have winter break coming up. So that could, yeah. Uh, you know, put a little bit of a hold, but you know, we'd like to get it up and running next semester if at all possible. If not, then it'll be the beginning of next semester. Okay. Or spring, I'm sorry. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. So we do have some questions from students on our social. Here's the first one What will they serve at the bar? Um, right now, one, one thing we're talking about is, is again, I'm retired law enforcement. So from what I can recall, I don't know if the laws have changed, you have to have food available. But you have, you know, we could have to order in pizzas if, if somebody wanted food. So there'll be your basic, you know, bar type of snacks. There'll be, you know, bagged potato chips, pretzels, peanuts, stuff like that. Uh, the committee has talked about bringing in like a Swenson's truck every once in a while. Bringing in cool. um, uh, Slim and Jumbo's, asking if they want to come down. You know, going to local restaurants and seeing if for reduced fare or reduced price, if they would sell their food down here to give an opportunity to have students try different things. So that's the food aspect. I think probably uh, I'm going to apply for, it's called a D1, D2, and a D3. Um, a D1 is beer only, a D2 is wine only, and D3 is spiritus liquor. All three of those permits you have to close down by uh, 1 a.m. What is my understanding, what the committee so far has talked about is the days that they do open, uh, they would be closed by midnight. Um, so the, that's the type of alcohol that we're looking. It doesn't mean that we have to sell spiritus liquor every day that it's open, but it would be available if there's a special event on campus and we could serve spiritus liquor. Okay. Okay. So here's our second question. Will undergrad students still be allowed to go to this bar? Absolutely. 
I mean, you, you look at the nightlife as it is now, is there's usually like a wristband type of system or some kind of a marking system for people who are under 21 years of age to go and be involved. So, yeah, the kids who are under 21 or the students who are under 21, absolutely. That, that was a whole part of bringing this together and trying to get something like this is so that everybody would have some place to go. And so there'll be, you know, besides the alcohol that's being served, you know, there'll be your typical non-alcoholic drinks like Shirley Temples and, you know, drinks that you can make without alcohol in them. There'll be pop, water, and things like that also available. Awesome, awesome. So will there be any events hosted here like karaoke night, live music, poetry readings, anything like that? That's what they're talking about. I don't know that we're that far into it, but that's, again, going back to the original concept and at the other schools, uh, you know, not only I've been at other schools that have had bars, but other coaches have, and the committee also reached out to other schools within our conference that have bars, and that's all part of what goes on in, in, in the bars is, you know, again, I mentioned, I think, early on about karaoke nights, yeah. you, know, you know, poetry readings, absolutely, there'll be all that type of stuff, idea sharing that can go on, just sitting around and, and kind of having a good time. Awesome, awesome. So our final question here, big question, will students be able to work at the bar? Yes, the um, you have to get a bartender's license, and you have to be a certain age. I don't recall what the age is, uh, but there's going to be there'll be jobs that will be available, whether it be a bartender, you know, so people cleaning up boys, busboys, sort of to speak. Uh, so there'll be those type of bar, uh, jobs that are available. Also, I don't know how many. Again, don't know how many days it's going to be open. So all that's still kind of up in the air. It's really early in the process. Okay, okay, that's good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for speaking with us. Let's take a break here. All right, thank you. And we are back to wrap up this episode with some events and announcements. We just talked about the potential campus bar. How are we feeling about that? Honestly, I'm very stoked. I've heard from past students when I was a freshman that there used to be a bar on campus and yeah. that it was pretty lively. So. To see that back on campus and see students just being there and, like, living their best life, it's pretty interesting. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, that sounds like all good news, all the things that people asked about um, on our socials. Like, it's all, it all sounds in favor of students. Absolutely. Um, with everything that we're kind of interested in, both the both the fun and the, and the other little things that benefit us. Yeah, like yeah. New jobs. All right, and then some other stuff that's going on around campus is uh, we are going to talk about what's happening tonight. Uh, tonight, Monday, November 14th, um, uh, as the day of this being released, uh, there is an event, Ohio After Row. It is a panel discussion uh, that will be in the Kennedy Center Dick's Dining Hall, and that is at 6 p.m., so that's a discussion about the future of Ohio following the overturn of the court case Roe v. Wade. All right, and then we also have with us to discuss more Hiram happenings, we have Student Senate Vice President Ryan Streeter. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Mm, it's going good. How are you? Oh, you know, another day in Hiram. <laughs> All right, and then we are here to talk about uh, Student Senate happenings. So aside from what we do for Hiram College. We also try and maintain a good relationship with the village and the village council. And in their last village council meeting, the, the council itself brought forth a new piece of legislation that would establish these permitted parking uh, spaces 
on public property. So all the roads in Hiram, how you park there now for free, those would become permit parking. And it's proposed that you would have to pay $100 a year to the village to park, to park. Yeah, it's insane. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So this is outside of Hiram, like regular parking. None mm-hmm. of our parking lots. That's that's the same. That's all the Hiram mm-hmm. College. We're talking about the streets. So Street like parking, like yeah. in front of in front of buildings, like in front of residence halls, you know, anywhere yeah. where it's mm-hmm. legal to to park. Yeah. Uh, outside it uh, on the side of the street. Yeah. So the way it works now is the the parking pass that people buy for Hiram, it is in effect for the private property spaces that Hiram has. So the Windrock lot, Gelbke lot, down by the Coleman Center, the commuter lot, all those spaces, you have access to those because you have a parking pass. But as far as like the streets in front of Hinsdale and Kennedy Center and the streets in front of the Hill residences and even the streets back by the commuter lot, those are all owned by the village of Hiram and maintained by the village of Hiram. And they're proposing that to park in those places Folks should have to pay a hundred dollars a year for a permit, and that's insane. Because you have to <laughs> think about it. Like there are a lot of people that park on the street, and we all know how weekend parking works here. You can park overnight in the weekend, but the weekdays after two a.m. you get a ticket, and that ticket is typically twenty-five dollars. Some people fall asleep and forget to move their car, so that's a hundred dollars on top of twenty-five dollars that you have to pay because you got a ticket. Not to mention that you mostly learn that the hard way. Exactly. Right. It's already a super confusing system and it's it going to get worse it's because get way worse. they're also proposing Jalen just mentioned it costs, you know, 20 25 bucks per ticket if mm-hmm. you're caught parking overnight. That price is going to go up for ticket <gasps> for they're for going up for folks who park um Yeah, for folks who park in these new restricted parking areas without their $100 permit. Uh, if you pay the ticket within 10 days, it'll be $30. After 10 days, it's going to go up to $50. It's over. And after wow. after 30 days, it's going up to $100. Wow. So if you don't pay your ticket in 30 days, the price is going to be just the same as the permit. There's There's definitely a lot more questions than answers that have come out of this. And that's a lot of times that's just the way government works. There's there's more questions than answers. Yeah. But as the student senate, we're going to do our job and find those answers. Okay. So, you know, this kind of took everybody by surprise. This whole, you know, by the way, private parking now. That's, you know, kind of blew us away. So coming back from Thanksgiving break on our first meeting back, November 28th, uh, it's a Monday at 7.30 p.m. in East Hall Forum, we have invited the... Hiram Village Council President. Okay. He's going to come and discuss this legislation a lot more in depth with us. And we're going to ask our questions like, you know, what motivated this? Why now? Is yeah. there some kind of parking problem that's existed yeah. in Hiram that doesn't, that doesn't seem to present itself to us now? You know, we thought we had a really good system worked out. You is know? it yeah. not enough tickets? Is are, tickets not yeah, enough? Yeah. Is, is there that big of a parking problem that we need to charge 100 bucks a year for people to park there? And also, you know, what happens if people come to Hiram for a day? You know, are they going right. to pay a hundred bucks to, to oh, park here for yeah. a day? Are the people coming to visit Hiram? You know, so yeah, if you're feeling pretty strongly about this whole, you know, reserved parking, hundred dollar parking pass thing, and think it's, you know, not necessarily the best thing for Hiram and for our students and for our community, and even if you have questions about it, because that's, I mean, we have questions. We're trying to get answers. I highly encourage you to come out to our Senate meeting on November 28th 
at 7.30 in East Hall Forum. We'll have the Hiram Village Council president there to answer some deeper questions. And then the following day on November 29th at 6 p.m., we'll actually be at the Village Finance and Safety Meeting where they're going to discuss this legislation more in depth. We'll be there. The Student Senate Executive Board, our senators will be there. Uh, Hiram's president, Dave Haney, will be there. We're going to get the answers that uh, we frankly deserve on this, and we're going to voice our opinion that we don't think it's the best thing for Hiram's community, and we encourage you to join us in that. Yep, I know I'll be there. My Kia Soul can't speak for herself. All right, that about wraps up our episode of Terrier Talks. And the next time we'll see you guys, we'll be meeting with several club presidents in how to get involved with OCI Queen Julie Hild. <laughs> <laughs> And the next episode will be on November 28th. So be sure to stay in tune with us on social media, Hiram College. And make sure to bark at us with any questions you have. I'm Jalen Blue. And I'm Lena Ross. All right. Talk to you soon, Terriers.